Exurga des disipentur inimici eius, et fugiancio derundeum a face eius. Let God arise, and let his enemies be scattered, and let all those who hate him flee from before his face. I'm going to do something different with this episode, because we're going to talk about the Second Amendment of the, of the United States Constitution. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. Let's get started with a prayer. Nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Sancta Michael Arcangela, defendenos in proelio. Contra nequitiam et insidias diaboli est opraesidium. Imperet ilideas supplicas de precamor, tuque princeps militae calestis, satram aliosque spiritus malignos, quae perditionem animarum, pervegantur in mundo divina virtute in infernum netrude. Amen. Cor Jesus Sacratissimum miserere nobis, speculum justitiae ora pro nobis, mato dolorosa ora pro nobis. Domine ostende facem tuum et salvi erimus, Ave Maria Purissima, Immaculata Conceptio Est. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Before I get started, quick uh, quick note on last week's programs. Most of those programs were actually recorded in one day, and um, <clears throat> one of the programs, I wanted to spend more time on one topic and less time on another, and ended up doing the exact opposite. Um, I guess those are kind of the foibles. So I want to do a I want to do a quick clarification on the abortion thing. Abortion is murder. Full stop. The idea that there's an exception has more to do with our willingness to confront the people whom we care about in really, really trying situations. Where we have to kind of sprinkle in a heavy dose of John 8, 15. Ye judge after the flesh, but I judge no man. Now it does continue. Christ does continue. And he says, when I do judge, I just rightly because, because obviously God's justice is perfect. Um, and so if I left the impression that there was some sort of applicable exception, it's not so much an applicable exception more, more, more than, in fact, it's not an applicable exception. It is in fact, the exceptions that we ourselves have to make. And I say have to make, because we find ourselves compelled to make them due to our emotional investment, usually in the topic. It's not an argument of the validity of, of the exception. It is an argument to the reality of the exception. We all compromise. We're not perfect. Now, that having been said, let me get on to the actual topic. The Second Amendment. Real quick, there are two main arguments that come out of the Second Amendment, and both of them kind of miss the point. So I'm going to give you a single Catholic's perspective on the Second Amendment, and I'm not going to make any claim that anybody else, aside from where, where I happen to be you know, comfortable within church teaching, um, as far as just war and self-defense and all, and all of that, I'm not making any assertions beyond what I know about the history, the tradition, the intent and the Catholic context of the Second Amendment. 
So any error I make in this is my own. Now, <clears throat> the security of a free state is hinged on a well-regulated militia. And what a well-regulated militia was understood in the context meant that militia is regular. It is the regular state. Originally, to make something regular was to enhance the flow to its maximum without descending into total chaos, but to enhance the flow to its maximum. So a well-regulated militia is to say that a, a militia that is made regular is necessary to the security of a free state. Meaning, they're entering into a federal agreement. Maryland is entering into an agreement with Massachusetts, is entering into an agreement with New York and Philadelphia and New Jersey and the Carolinas and Georgia, etc. They're entering into an agreement one with another. But each one of them wished to maintain their freedom. And so, knowing that the state of, say, North Carolina does not necessarily wish to be subjected to the whims of the higher populations in New York, New Jersey, and Philadelphia, all of them agreed together that the right to bear arms shall not be infringed. That's the context. That's the historical context. It was the right, not just of the individual to defend himself and his family and his property, but the right of the community to defend itself and the right of the state to defend itself from the oppression coming from other states under the guise of the federal government. They had just gone through this with England. Right or wrong, because I'm not going to make any judgments on, on that one, they understood that the threat to the freedom of their people was not some bombastic criminal was not some mentally deranged psychopath. The ultimate threat to the freedom of the people of these United States actually came in the form of the government of the United States. And understood in any other context is fallacious. It's erroneous. So the decisions that are currently going on and all of the court cases available in the second regarding the second amendment everything that has ever regarded the second amendment of the constitution has been fallacious and deceptive from the start the security of a free state wyoming the security of a free state nevada the security of a free state indiana the security of a free state, Kentucky. That was the context of the Second Amendment. 
It was not the security of you in your home, although that does get carried into it in the same way that patriotism is is carried as an obligation under the fourth commandment. Honor your father and your mother. Obedience to your superiors, etc. With it, obviously within the Catholic limitations, <clears throat> as understood by Holy Mother Church. But in the same way that the fourth commandment applies both to your parents and then to your siblings and then to your king, governor, boss, whatever, priest, etc. I mean, ad infinitum with that one. In the same way that the fourth commandment applies up, the second amendment applies down. But the institution of the second amendment was not done by people who were concerned about being robbed. The institution of the second amendment was done by people who represented their colonies, their people. So a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free California, the right to bear arms shall not be infringed. The, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free Illinois, the right to bear arms shall not be infringed. And that's how you have to understand the Second Amendment. A well-regulated well militia being necessary to the security of a free Chicago, of a free New York, of a free Philadelphia, of a free Pennsylvania, of a free Pittsburgh, of a free Detroit. The right to bear arms shall not be infringed. Now, from a Catholic perspective, rebellion and revolution are always bad. They may become a necessary evil, but they are never not evil. The making of war is bad. There are circumstances where there are circumstances in which the making of war is in service to justice, but as a rule, it's bad. As a general rule, killing is bad. But in times it is in service to charity, in times it is service it is in service to justice, in times it is in service to prudence. And in times it is even the temperate action. But as a whole, killing people is bad. Someone asked about, about the exceptions to murder. The exception to murder is when it's not actually murder. Is when the death of a human being is brought about as a cause of justice, charity, temperance, prudence. Catholics should know this and we should understand this. It's, it's part in parcel with how our worldview is to be understood. When is murder not murder? 
when the person you're murdering, supposedly, I'm going to put that in air quotes, is attempting to murder you. Then it's not murder, it's homicide, in which case it is conducted in self-defense. The founders understood very little, theologically speaking. Having been removed by Protestantism by more than 150 years from the traditions of Holy Mother Church, from the teaching of Holy Mother Church, from the perfect truth of Holy Mother Church. But they did still understand that Massachusetts is a very tiny geographical state, and it is possible that Massachusetts could be oppressed by its larger neighbors. They understood that Maryland was a very tiny geographical state, and it could be oppressed by its larger geographical neighbors, in particular if they happen to have, quote, the votes in a representative republic. So what happens to a state like Montana when California, Oregon, Washington, Nevada have all decided that their way of doing things is the right way? And then they move because they have the population and the votes to do so. They move the federal government against the interests of a state like Wyoming, a state like Montana. What is the answer to that when the federal government comes in to impose? The Second Amendment was not written to defend yourself from criminals, unless by criminal you mean government. What happens when the state government of California becomes exceedingly oppressive on the tiny little hamlet of Hemet? which, as I understand it now, is not quite so tiny. (laughs) The well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of of Hemet, the right to bear arms shall not be infringed. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of Redding, the right to bear arms shall not be infringed. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of Santa Ana, The right to bear arms shall not be infringed. Do you see the pattern? A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of my home, the right to bear arms shall not be infringed. This law applies ad infinitum and it scales both up and down. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of these United States, the right to bear arms shall not be infringed. Capiche? That's the context. Everything else is lies. Any other argument is trash. Because the argument that even a convicted sex offender cannot go out and defend his home is trash. 
Whether that home is his own house, whether that home is his city, whether that home is his own state, or whether that home is his own country. Now, in truth, you may not trust the convicted sex offender to do so, but in times of desperation, if the sole defense remaining between you and the jackbooted thugs in those three-letter agencies who have come to take your children, who have come to take your property, who have come to take your life, if the sole defense against that is a convicted sex offender, Hope you pre- I hope you treated him right, because he might just leave you to die. And if you fail to provide for your own defense, then you are failing to provide for the defense of your community, and you are failing to provide for the defense of your state. And ultimately, you're failing to provide for the defense of your nation. I would argue that in the United States of America, the right to bear arms is not a right to bear arms. It is an obligation to bear arms. It is an obligation that every person who can, every person who is needed, to defend the community, the state, the nation is obligated. And I say that to say not obviously not that we're to send women out to the front. But when all the men fall, who's left? And if our nation needs to be saved by angry bear mothers, bear, B-E-A-R, mothers, with shotguns and AR-15s and 22 caliber pistols and cannons, then so be it. I'll take an angry mom with an M250 caliber machine gun in defense of her children in defense of her neighborhood, her community, her home, any day. Shall not be infringed. Oh, privates, pri- private owners never had heavy military-grade weapons, except for the private owners of ships who had cannons, except for the private owners of cannons who fielded them on the battlefield during the Revolutionary War in the United States. Where did you think that money came from? They didn't tax and create the army. It's not like the federal government suddenly stood the army up out of thin air. Those weapons were provided by the people. Private owners. Is it crazy that a person should own a nuclear weapon certainly is extreme to be sure certainly is expensive but again i'll take an angry mom with a tactical nuke in defense of her home 
in defense of her children, in defense of her community. And if she has it available, then I expect her to know how to use it. And I expect her to defend her home, her community, her state, her nation. Especially if there are no men left to do so. Oh, what a different world it would have been. If when the many enemies of ancient Israel came to town, if the women themselves had been armed. But a different world it would have been. Not saying it's ideal, to be sure it's not. But it's certainly worth considering. Any other considerations about the Second Amendment are lies. Well, you don't need more than 10-round magazine, anything larger than a 10-round magazine to defend your home. I'm not defending my home when I own these weapons. It's not just my home. I'm not going to pull my pickup truck out with a Gatling gun to defend my home. I'm going to pull my pickup truck out with a Gatling gun to defend my county, to defend my city, to defend my children's high school from those who would raid and despoil it. And I don't care that they have the American flag on their sleeve. The fact remains they are still dressed in black. They are still come to do violence and they are still come to despoil. And it doesn't matter if it says FBI on their body armor or it says U.S. military. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right to bear arms shall not be infringed. And anyone who thinks that it's just about defending yourself and just about defending your home has neglected to pay attention not only to history, but to that which is happening in the world today. In nations that we believed were free. When will you need more than 10 rounds to defend your home? When your home happens to be the church that the police are trying to raid because there's just too many people in there and it's unsafe. We're doing this for your safety. We're doing this for your protection. We are doing this for your health. When will you need more than 10 rounds? When it's an oppressive government being led by a fanatical, psychopathic, unelected, unappointed medical despot. That's when you need more than 10 rounds per magazine. When you're not defending yourself. from an unorganized military. 
that's when you need more than 10 rounds. Oh, but there'll never be an invasion. We don't need an invasion. Look across the news. You have the FBI, you have the CIA, you have the NSA, you have the IRS for crying out loud. And I was living in Alaska when the Environmental Protection Agency held a SWAT-style raid on the village of Chicken in Alaska. The Environmental Protection Agency, which doesn't even actually have any law enforcement capacity. And yet somehow they were able to acquire AR-15s, full body armor, and full SWAT tactical gear to raid this town. Village, really. I mean, we're only talking about like 10 houses. When do you need more than 10 rounds? When that is your enemy. Don't think it can happen here? It already has, dear family. It already has. And it's happening right now across the world. What would a well-regulated militia do in a French cafe when the police are going through saying, papers please, like the jack-booted Nazi thugs they are? For what? A disease that is 99.75% survivable? Because you haven't taken a vaccine that is actually far more dangerous than the disease itself? So you can travel freely? So you can see your family? So you can get together for Thanksgiving and Christmas. A well-regulated militia puts this, this tyranny that is slowly creeping its way into every facet of our society, would put this tyranny to flight. Because there is no way There is no way at all that a law enforcement agency raids a church with 30 armed men. Not just armed with concealable, you know, cute little weapons. But with 30 armed men capable of turning the parking lot into a lake of blood. And the fun part about being that well-armed is you never have to use it. And if you do have to use it, you get to pity the fool who made you use it. And it doesn't matter if it's some thug on the streets of New York, and it doesn't matter if it's the New York City Police Department. In that period of time, an armed society can all say, I pity the fool. We're not the warmongers. But we have to be prepared for the war to come to us.
And this isn't a call to go out and buy tons of guns and lots of ammunition. Although it may be a recommendation for some. And particularly those of you who are out in the still remaining free states of the United States of America, you all know someone who maybe has a couple extra and you might could probably borrow one or two when the time comes. But if you fail to defend your your community and you fail to defend your home and you fail to defend your state. You fail not only your obligation under the Second Amendment of the Constitution of the United States, you fail under your obligation under the Fourth Commandment of God. And it's a very short trip from one to the other, especially if you made it this far into the podcast. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. Actually, before I do that part, pray for the church, pray for the nation, and consider deeply what your actual obligations to God are. They are far, much farther reaching than what you think. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen.